hold up, there's a spider on my leg. There's a little black spider. Alright. Well, that, hey, that was more interesting than this film. I've been running scams on the street since I was 10. I was kicked out of the flight academy for having a mind of my own. I'm gonna be a pilot. Yeah, I'm feeling good tonight. Best in the galaxy. Hey, kid. Gonna see a princess everything. I'm putting together a crew. No job or the answer to. Ain't a fixture in the palace zoo. No. You in? It's just a carbonite of me. I'm living life now that That's yes. I might be the only person who knows what you really are. What's that? I'm the disgust that washed over my face. Well, what could we possibly be here to talk about now that that intro has happened? Solo, a Star Wars story. Hello, welcome back to the Star Wars yep. Retrospective with your host, Matt Garingo and Diego Crespo. I gave you the introduction first this time, Matt, because I felt kind of bad for just like tossing that at you like that. Yeah, you should. I'm very angry right now. Is it because of the movie or because of that? No, I, I, I wasn't angry about the movie. But now I'm angry. <laughs> Let's do some background. We did like 2,000 episode long series of videos about the Star Wars series. The bumps in between the movie releases. Where the Star Wars fandom was at. Where it's, where it's kind of at now. Uh, the Last Jedi. You could do a whole episode about what's happened since The Last Jedi. Yeah. But instead, we're going to do it on Solo, a Star Wars story. The second Star Wars spinoff, directed and by... And the last Star Wars spinoff. <laughs> Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, no, no, wait. Ron Howard. And people are, I think, in a weird way, maybe just as divided as they've been since The Last Jedi, but not as aggressive about it. I don't know? think anyone cares. <laughs> We're already kind of late doing this because no one cares anymore. Like, even, like, people whose opinions I want to hear, I haven't sought out their reviews of it because I just don't care. I mean, movie was a fat lot of nothing. I... I know you liked it. It is superficial. Because you fucking like everything. <laughs> you fucking shit. A completely like, unnecessary journey into the history of very lovable Star Wars character who needed no more screen time or backstory, and somehow. Here's here. Hold on. Let me describe I liked this. It. Let me describe this. <laughs> okay. So since so they rebooted the entire expanded universe of Star Wars uh, when Disney took over, which pissed off a lot of the diehard fans, which I could give a fuck about. But they rebooted it, but then they started releasing newer novels. Uh, in the lead-up to The Force Awakens, they released a novel 
called uh, Lost Stars. It's a young adult novel meant for, you know, teenagers. It's very basic prose. And it's just, it takes the perspective of two kids who grow up immediately after the Empire takes over and kind of their rise through life. And one of them goes the direction of the Empire, one of them goes the direction of the Rebellion. And you basically get to relive moments of the original trilogy through these characters' perspectives. Um, it's, you know, if you got a bus ride to kill, it's a good book to read. Uh, it's better and more insightful than this $200 million movie. Oh, I don't want to get too much into that, but it is definitely more than $200 million. Oh, all right. I don't even know. I, I just assume that's like the standard budget. Is it like $300 million at this point? Uh, it might even be more because I think the Star Wars the standard reshoots? might be more. Like like 150 I think, at mm -hmm. least. From uh, Last Jedi, it was even like cheaper than Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. But like, because of everything that's production problems have gone into with Solo, they basically like... Empire Strikes Back, a modern Star Wars movie, you know, like... Oh, wow. The buzz just ballooned. Um. So even so, if, like, like this was going to crack, like, a billion dollars, which it, it is not. not, thankfully. Um, actually, you know, I like this movie, and, and I just felt the need to say, uh, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. Anyways, like, uh, it, it wouldn't be, like, a, a home run. It'd be like, well, well... Let's take a moment to look back at what just happened here. and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they're problems. even happy that it's not doing well. Like, they've basically just, they had to get it out there, and they're just going to write this one off. And hope that related toy sales will, you know, put a little bit of money into their pockets. Uh, I think there's a reason we haven't heard a single spinoff film announced uh, in the past year or so. Um, lots of rumors, but nothing confirmed officially. Yeah, you think they're just, like, tired of it and just, like, let's just get through this and we'll figure it out I think the after. real thing, they were going to wait to see how this played and see if it did uh, Rogue One, because Rogue One made a lot of money. And they were waiting to see if this made Rogue One money, and if it did, they were going to suddenly announce what these other projects were. And now they're probably scrambling to figure out what to do, because they've probably been in pre-production on something that now they're second-guessing whether or not they should release it, or, I mean, make it as a film. Um... So, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen now, thankfully, because I don't think... The, the two rumored options are a Boba Fett film and an Obi-Wan film, and neither sound appealing to me. I think, uh, as someone who was excited for a potential Obi-Wan movie, I think we talked about it before on and off the podcast. Yeah. Like, the interesting direction that they could take Obi-Wan with it was kind of, like, fucked up in Rebels for me. So uh, I kind of lost interest in it. Well, thank you, Rebels, yeah. I, I, for I stopping like, this. I like Rebels too, but like, fuck, that could have been so good with Obi Wan. And no, at least it would interesting, have. more interesting than like more interesting than it should have no. been for an Obi Wan spinoff. No, you couldn't well, have made. Okay, it. I think it is. Obi Wan's story ends. At Revenge of the Sith. He goes into exile. That's his story. You can't. Like I said, unless they do, like I said, it's got to be like fucking straight story <laughs> with Obi Wan Kenobi. And that's the only way you can really do an Obi-Wan movie, and that's not, like, a moneymaker. So, uh, um, I don't think there's... The only way would be something really forced where he meets, like, a young Luke or a young, younger Owen Lars, which I just don't care for. Um, so fuck all that. And Boba Fett is a, is a, a toy. <laughs> He's a cool-looking toy. 
and that's it. Uh, there's that uh, that fan idea about like, oh, we just hand down the armor to like like you could have a whole new story, which is kind of like which is what you would have to do because what we know about him from the prequels just sucks. Yeah. So Boba Fett is just like a, a cool toy, yeah. but like if they went that route, then then I mean it could be kind of interesting, which is I guess was kind of the Josh Trank idea, but then they just like got rid of him and kept the idea. Mm-hmm. But then the new character in Solo, you who. You could do the same thing with it. She is way more interesting than Boba Fett ever was. Is there? Uh, the Envis Nest. I thought she was really cool. Who was that? I don't even know. Uh, that, that one fucking... <laughs> I really don't. I'm sorry. I, I was so bored during this film. I didn't learn anyone's name. Uh, I know the robot's name, but we'll get to her. I have uh, I, I have things to say. As do I. Uh, things I did not think I would say about that character. Mm. Uh, no, she's she's the rebel who's leading those uh, those cloud riding people on the train. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and then she um, mentioned like the same thing that everyone who was bringing up about Boba Fett, like my mother handed me this armor, and then they go into some backstory about like I don't remember the whole thing, but like the the yeah, armor I, is being I, handed down from generation to I generation. That That's character. a cool idea. I hated that moment. I hated it. Did you really? Yeah. The the ending is where the whole thing kind of fell apart for me. Like, I didn't hate most of it, but then, like, the last part, we were kind of like, for one, it was like, oh, I guess we're making this about, like, I kind of wanted this just to be an independent story, but like, oh, no, I guess it is part of the rebellion, I guess. And Han Solo's gonna do the right thing? I I don't, I honestly, I was kind of lost as to what I was supposed to care about, <laughs> which is my fault. I, I don't blame the film for that. I just checked out by that point. But it felt like he did. He had the same arc he has in A New Hope, <laughs> except had it in this prequel film. And uh, on a much smaller scale. Yeah, and it just felt like, well, then why is his you know, coming back to help the Rebellion such a big deal in New Hope? Like, he's, of course he did that. Like, it'd be, it would make more sense if he, like, helped them and then they betrayed him in some way. And then he's like, ah, I'll never trust those fucking rebels again. But they didn't do anything creative like that. Instead, there's a fucking, like... Do you remember in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when there's that one guy who's obviously evil? (laughs) And he keeps trying to be like, no, I'm a double agent. And then they do that whole stupid triple agent joke. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yeah. That's what it felt like in the climax of this, where everyone was, like, double-crossing everyone at the very end. And it wasn't fun. Like, that would have been a ton of fun if it turned out, like, everyone was running their own scam. And they just didn't do that. They just... See, I think... It was... I think they... Them at least going for it. It doesn't fully succeed for me, but that was the most fun part of the finale for me. It was because Han Solo was like... Han Solo's arc in this movie is like... He does... It does drop the ball in Tyler in the third mm. act. But everyone else around him, I was kind of having a good time following where they were going individually. Like, okay, let's, let's narrow it down for a sec. Here's my quick thoughts. Alden Ehrenreich is pretty good. Pretty dang good. Why are, well, I what thought, the fuck? As Han Solo. Why are we jumping around like this? No, no, no. Because like you were making points we got, about we the ending, down. and now we're like, oh, let's go talk about fucking Alan Ehrenreich, and you fucker. I'm fine. You want to just stick with the ending? Yeah, we're talking about the ending. We'll get to Alan Ehrenreich or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name is. Leave him alone. He was good. He was good in the movie. Uh, fuck. All right, let's just talk about him real quick. You fuck. You fucking. <laughs> fuck this whole thing up uh he is so good fucking god damn it did make me believe that i could watch more adventures with this version of han solo 
if the movie was much stronger. And I say that as someone who liked it. And they nailed down the end of his arc in this. Because the end of the movie, with everything relating directly to Han Solo, outside of his, like, his relationship to the other characters, like his specific arc is just the same thing as New Hope. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't lead him down this path to become kind of set up from the beginning. Where they're kind of like, oh, the universe is in shambles, and civil wars making everyone like, like scramble to survive. You know, like every man for himself sort of thing. And then he's like cheerful, heading off to his next adventure. But he just got betrayed by everyone he's a, by everyone he's ever cared about, except Chewbacca. And he just met so Chewbacca weird. like three days ago. Yeah. So that's weird to me, and yeah. it doesn't really work at all. Yeah, it's it's bad. Is what it is. Um, he's a the actor was good. Um, he he managed to make Han Solo into his own thing. Like I was afraid he would just do like a Harrison Ford impression, but he kind of did his own thing. And like there's all these rumors that he was the problem, that uh, he didn't give a good performance, and that's why there was all these problems. Which even if that's true, I didn't feel that at all watching the film. Uh, it was more just oh he did a fine job. I mean. I liked him. He's a good actor. I hope he has a good career. Uh, he's probably the best one of the bunch, really. Because uh, there's a certain actor I really did not care for in this, but we'll get to that. Uh, I'm just saying now, or like, wait. Well, I, I guess I should. Let's just go with where you fucking wanted to take this shit. Yeah, the the big clang, and I feel awful saying this. The big clang in this, in terms of acting, for me was. Uh, Donald Glover as Lando. Uh, I don't know how else to put it, but he was just... He was doing, like, a Billy D. Williams impression. <laughs> and there were times... There was a couple times where he, like... He, he was all right. But then other times it felt like he was just trying to... Like, it felt like what if he was on Community still. And him and Abed were, like, trying to act out, like, a Star Wars scene. And he was Billy D. Williams or something. And it just didn't, you know, like it wasn't, there was, there was a couple times when it worked, but the, specifically that first introduction, other than him saying Han, which was nice, it kind of failed miserably. I liked it, I liked it later when he yells at Han for wrecking his ship. <laughs> I liked that part. And that was about it. I kind of agree. He doesn't. He doesn't have the the clang. He doesn't land with that for me. But I think something about the way he movie plays out doesn't really allow Donald Glover to like break out like everyone else thought he would. Like like most people really liked him in this movie anyway, so I'm happy they did. But he was like the one thing I was really looking forward to in this. You're happy for the people who are happy with Donald Glover. Yeah, because like I wish I liked Donald Glover in this. Right, I like him in everything else, and I didn't really like him so much in this no he, he does he doesn't get much to do lando's only kind of there because we know who lando is and we got to get the millennium falcon in this thing somehow yeah and that's so weird because it's so disinterested in him even towards the end of the movie we're like after the big kessel run thing which was kind of dumb but kind of fun i thought no the kessel run blew that was such a like uh I did like I did like that he's kind of lying about doing it in twelve parsecs though. I kind of like that too, but like I have mixed feelings. But like Philando, let's stick to that. Uh, sometimes he he's got like this is that classic Donald Glover 
energy, confidence, swagger, you know. And then other times he's like, well, 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 what do we have here? And it just like, it really yeah. does feel like, like, a, like an impersonation instead of a performance. And that mm-hmm. was a big disappointment for me. It was. And I don't know who gave him that direction, but they should be slapped. And honestly, it might have been Howard because there's once there's a sequence in this I felt like Lord Miller might have done. I could be wrong, or at least they have. That's where most of their footage remains intact. I feel like the the Kessel Run sequence when they're on the Millennium Falcon, I felt like some of those scenes had a different tone than the rest of the film. I could be completely wrong here, um, but that I felt like maybe that's where they directed it, and that was a couple scenes where Donald Glover was all right. But other than that, um, yeah. Woody Harrelson's also in this. Oh, yeah, Woody Harrelson's fun. He's fine. And, yeah. Here's a big problem with this movie is that it's, like, front-loaded with three action scenes that are unnecessary. (laughs) That we kind of get, like, three big setups in a row, and it becomes tiring after a while. I remember that. Like, there's, like, the opening scene. I want to say, like, the opening escape... From uh, what was what's the planet uh, Corellia? Yeah, that that's one. where he's from. Uh, that that sequence was like when I sat down and watched it. It like got weird like really quick with the bug lady. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like, oh man, this is actually kind of fun. <laughs> like I like that it just kind of went there almost immediately. Um, I didn't like the opening text thing. That was weird, where it was basically the opening crawl, but not a crawl. <laughs> Like, why bother? <laughs> but uh, they, they did that, and uh, it was fun. And, but then we immediately go from that to, like, this battle that was really boring, and we meet Chewbacca, which, uh, whatever, he speaks Chewbacca's language in it, um, which is a moment that happens. That, I feel, should have been played sillier. Because it is inherently silly. It's really silly. So, like they should have hammered that home a bit better. And that, I feel, would have been a Ron Howard issue. And but, I like Ron Howard. But why does he need to? But why does he need to speak it? Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't. But but if they're going to have that in there, it should have been played sillier. Like, this whole movie is the definition of not needing to exist. But because it's here, I think sometimes it succeeds and sometimes it needed to try a little way harder, if that makes sense. And then we go into an action scene with a... Uh where they rob a train. And this is like, bam, bam, bam. Like, it's just like, we go quick into these action scenes, and like, by then, I'm like, already tired. That's when it was like, getting exhausting. Because it's just three action scenes in a row. And like, all would have worked as, like, you could have just started with that train robbery, honestly. Like, but they had to work in how Han met Chewbacca. Like, you really don't need the opening. And... You could have just not done the Chewbacca scene, but fans would be like, how'd Han meet Chewbacca? Which doesn't matter. And he could have just started with that train robbery, since everyone pretty much dies. Which was weird. That was also weird. Um, not that, like, the one guy gets shot, but then the girl sacrificed herself, and I didn't really get that. <laughs> Literally, uh, everyone I spoke to about that situation was like, why didn't she blow herself up? Yeah, that was odd. That was weird. Like, I get it, because, like, they have this... Be- like, is the- really, we think they're just robbing it for the money, but in truth, it's that they have a bounty out on them. They, they owe money to this guy, and if they don't do it, they're going to die. So I guess she felt like, I'm sacrificing myself 
to save you. Like, I'm not going to get out of this, but if if we let this train go, we're both dead. So I have to sacrifice myself so you at least have a chance. Um, but because we don't know that in that moment, it's a little weird. Here, here's my issue with the opening. Well, the three openings, I guess. Yes. Like uh, I think these spinoff movies all have severe problem with their editing. Because yes. Rogue One has this problem, too. Like, I actually like that movie a lot. And I know it's kind of like a turned favor with fans. And I, I can't really argue with a lot of the points that are brought up. But the editing in the first half of that movie is, like, really bad. There's no sense of, like, location or geography or, like, story. <laughs> There's no momentum to it. Especially, kind of like... especially in that battle where we meet Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Uh, that was so bad that like there's that like gag where we reveal that one of them is actually an alien, voiced by John Favreau, who's doing his best Rocket Raccoon impression. Yeah, but um, I, I like John Favreau in this. I like Favreau, but it's but it's like like there's like kind of like oh I saw you pulling your pant legs up and like no one in the audience I was with put that together. <laughs> So the joke didn't land. And that was either the editing, which is really bad, but also I'm one of the ones who saw it where they tried to, like, turn up the brightness or something in the theater, and it was just so washed out. You couldn't, you really couldn't see anything in a lot of scenes, especially the darkest and grimiest scenes. Um, so anytime they're in, like, a cave or uh, that battlefield where it's, like, mostly at night, uh, I could tell almost immediately, though, that it was the theater's fault and not the movie's. I can't say if the movie looks good outside of it, but I know for a fact it was the theater's fault for the, the weird brightness they put on it. Mostly because I've seen it on televisions where people have tried to turn up the brightness on. Uh, yeah, poor Bradford Young, uh, the director of photography on this movie. Uh, I think he, he does like um, almost like a Roger Deakins light. Uh, mm. Not like with the silhouettes or anything, but like uh, like in all of his movies, uh, the entire filmography, mm. he lights his movies very uh, naturalistically. Everything feels very warm yeah. and like uh, very. Which I'm gonna be rounded, honest, but still, uh, I don't think cinematic. the way he shot it fit the tone they were going for. I don't. I think because it's it's kind of got a more swashbuckle feel to it, and instead it's got it feels more like the Hurt Locker. <laughs> and, <laughs> I would say like. In the war scene specifically, mm. like, like originally on the Lord and Miller pitch, their discussion was like they really wanted to drive home, like, like they really wanted to make it a western, like, a, like the Searchers level western, you know. Mm. Like obviously the quality of these movies. It was, didn't like, look like the Searchers, but like, no, no, no. They wanted to make it like a. They wanted to make it feel like, like that mustiness, you know, the that wide open plains, the openness, and the, but also the isolation of like of uh, people. Out in this world, I, I maybe more spaghetti western or like Peckinpah. I honestly, it, it felt more like they were trying to go for a Godfather style look, which is a weird choice. Like it felt more gangster than western. Oh uh, yeah, especially and, in the uh, the Paul Bettany scenes. Yes, That's very uh, Godfather look. And this is a movie that could have worked if it was three hours long. <laughs> this really needed to be like a Once Upon a Time in America like real slow burn, like, allow scenes to play out longer than they really need to. Like a Sergio Leone style, like, you know, where we really just take in the vistas and just listen to the music every now and then. Or like The Godfather, where they'll just have scenes that kind of go on longer than... You know, like, it opens with a big wedding, where we learn a lot more about the minutia of this wedding than we really need to. But that's part of, like, getting us into this, you know, family. 
and then we go off on some tangent about some actor not getting hired, and it only comes back like very slightly into the plot. Uh, well, not only know. that, but like all those little intricacies of like The Godfather show you like the extent of like what this family is doing, you know, and like you're yeah. kind of seeing behind the curtain, but not quite yet. And uh, you, you're just spending time with these characters in this world, and like you're getting Espe- cozy in there before, you know. Especially Godfather too, where you have the flashbacks which show how. Vito Rose. Yeah, and uh, this is why I almost really loved Solo, because I kind of felt they were going for that, but then they, they, they didn't really structure this movie uh, really as well as they needed to to like drive home that stuff. So I like the opening. I like that Bonnie and Clyde riff stuff with the weird alien bug lady. Like, I really love the bug lady. Oh, well, yeah, no. I expect it, them to just hit that right yeah, away. Yeah, right off the bat, we get super weird and just fun and like a really weird chase. Where Han is very Han Solo esque in, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, and, and it felt like Han Solo. And the most, the most tension heavy scene in the movie is them trying to escape when they're at that spaceport. Uh, it never feels that tense again in the movie. No, it doesn't. Uh, and that that was honestly like I say that opening's really good, and then after that it's just all downhill. It doesn't go off a cliff, though. It's more just kind of like a slow march. <laughs> um, it, it gets bad, and then the ending is just awful. Um, I But it never made me, like, angry. Like, I'm not at walking out of this, like, when I walked out of Jurassic World with 30 minutes to go. Because <laughs> I just couldn't take it anymore. I did want to leave Solo at some point, just because I'm like, Ugh, I just want to, like, I know where it's going to happen now. I just want to go. And I was wrong because I didn't know where it was going because they had another twist. <laughs> and it was unnecessary. And it wasn't interesting. It didn't add anything to the story. And I was afraid. My big fear was going into that third act is that, like, they've set up these kids. And then they're going to betray the kids or something. And I'm like, oh, God, there's going to be another battle. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be, like, the Wild Bunch all of a sudden where it's just, like, they've got a, a few of them have to fight, like, a massive army. Which is kind of what they're building up, and then that just didn't happen. And I, some people might be disappointed in that, but I was kind of glad. Because <laughs> by that point, I was very tired. Not uh, only because they do front-load this movie with action, but, like, that's it's a really nice change of pace. And it does feel more, like, uh, it is more interested in the characters. Which sounds weird for a movie that, like this, I guess, but... It, it wants to be more interested in its characters. And it just doesn't execute it well. Uh, I think all, most of these problems are script, which is weird because it's written by the Kasdans. Um, and supposedly they had the trump card on where this film went because supposedly they were one of the final says in getting Lord and Miller off the project. Um, although I don't think Lord and Miller did themselves any favors from what has leaked out. <laughs> uh, not going to take a side there just because it's much more complicated, but I'm fucking sure not going to take Disney's side. <laughs> And start defending the fact that this was a box office bomb. Fucking embarrassing. Fucking, it was like all over my feed, people being like, well, it's actually just Star Wars burnout. And this is, you know, and they didn't, if they had marketed it more, if they had released it in November, like, who gives a flying fuck if these billionaires make a couple more million? You fucking sad excuses. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was just trying to get worse. I was <laughs> okay. fucking around. 
but... But I will say, it was embarrassing to see people I really respect, like, defend the box office returns of Solo. Like, who gives a fuck? Anyways, I will say I like this movie best and it was doing, like, Star Wars riffs on other crime capers. Like, like they're clearly trying to make Was Han Solo it? like uh, like Frank from Thief at times. Yeah. Well, they're more interested in the swashbuckling nature of it. They can't really, like, nail it down, the difference between these two. Like, all these different elements around the galaxy that could form this doe-eyed optimist adventure into, like, this hardened idiot. Like, he's an idiot at the beginning of this movie. But he's also an idiot at the end of this movie. But he shouldn't be, like, almost kind of a sad sack by the end. Well, Hansel is, like, completely an idiot <laughs> in general. But, yeah, there needed to be something. Like, to me, like, Rogue One, as much as Rogue One has some failings, there is something to it where when you watch A New Hope now, you kind of have, you can think about some of the elements of Rogue One. I mean, like, oh, you know, there's kind of, kind of changes some perspective on things. This, you know... I don't feel like I learned anything about Han Solo that I couldn't have just guessed from the original films. I mean, this movie uh, doesn't really justify its own existence, but it it's here. Yeah, and we all <laughs> have to tire through it. Apparently, apparently not all of us, because barely anyone saw this fucking thing. <laughs> Although, I was in a pretty packed theater. I don't know about you. My no, my, was mine was, was all right. It was, it was a 9 a.m. screening, but it, was, it wasn't filled to the brim. I'm really glad we're going to get a break between this and episode 9. I am too. And I think they're realizing that uh, Star Wars is not a, not a numbers cruncher like Marvel is. Like it's, it's almost too big. Star Wars is like the holy grail of franchise filmmaking, basically. And like they can get a little tiring to talk about more often than like the Marvel movie or a DC movie. And I think these big epic blockbusters releasing them back to back is uh, a little more exhausting than it would be for any other franchise. Well, especially when, especially when one, regardless of how you feel about, there's a lot to talk about the last Jedi. Whereas here, like no one's walking out of this going like they betrayed Han Solo. (laughs) Because nothing, no one cares. Like, like it would be more interesting if some of the people did come out of this going like, oh, they fucked it all up. Because at least that would have been something. But instead, they like, they want these spin-off movies to be Star Wars films, but they don't want to take any of the chances that a Star Wars film needs to take in order to justify its continued existence. And so far, The Force Awakens played it pretty safe, but did take a lot of ch- chances that were calculated but needed. And The Last Ch- Jedi apparently took a lot of big chances because <laughs> people are still pissed off about it. Uh, but this one is just like, eh. You know what this movie made me think of? What? Casino Royale. Why? Because I watched Casino Royale whatever year that came out. I don't even remember. Uh, whatever year, because 2006 when Casino Royale came out, I had no idea how to play poker. <laughs> And they did that poker scene, in it, and it really works because they just—if you shoot something in the correct way and you explain just enough, you can make it tension-filled, even if you have no idea what the fuck's going on, which I didn't. And I hear there's a card game that feels like it has zero consequences, <laughs> and it's just really long. And it's more just—it's more just a setup for the final gag of the film. Like, remember in Casino Royale when uh, Bond does that whole thing where he. He bets a lot and then uh, folds and 
realizes that, uh, and everyone's like, why'd you fucking do that? You wasted so much money. And he's like, I found out his tell when he's bluffing. He holds the side of his face to stop his leaky eye or some bullshit. <laughs> like, it's so stupid, but it's great. And so you're like, oh, and then that comes back into play when he finally does try and, you know, win. And then that guy ends up, he's faking him out and was fucking with him. And you're like, oh, and it's like a real exciting scene. And it's, there's none of that here. It's literally a setup for one gag at the end of the film, which involves, we learn Lando cheated. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the movie he can't cheat booyah okay uh I, i'm gonna keep going to bat for this movie but that last scene is fucking awful uh, I, you know what I, I i i liked it more than the climax because we really because once again i like it we're brought to a new location with weird aliens and for a moment i can be like uh you know there's a weird alien that looks like a, a shrimp and then in, in the first yeah, scene you meet Lando? He have like a goofy name yeah it's the greatest name in Star Wars history. Are you I've ready? I've heard it, but what is it? Therm Scissor Punch. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, what's fucking... When I heard that, I was like, oh my god, they might do it. They might pull it off. Well, now it just... The existence the existence of that character now lends credence to people who have conspiracy theories about Lord and Miller trying to make this a comedy. And I'm saying that character was clearly one of their inventions, and it would have worked much better if they had remained in charge. When clearly he was always going to be a background character. Matt, you were hyped for another droid in Star Wars. Mm, yeah. How'd that go for you? Um, L3 might be the worst written droid I've ever seen. And that includes the Roger Roger guys. <laughs> um, I don't even know where to begin with L3. Because, like, alright. I guess I gotta start with me. Because I like talking about myself. Uh... My favorite thing in Star Wars is the droids. I love all the droids, even in the dumb movies. Uh, I like the droids that like roll on the balls. I like the I like ball droid, <laughs> BB-8. Uh, I like R2 is my favorite character. C-3PO is the best. I liked whatever the fuck that guy's name was from uh, Rogue One. Uh, and they, they came, I like that they made him like a sarcastic droid who didn't take no sass from people. And they came with a really clever character trait for L3, which was to give her a lot of sass. <laughs> and ever not take... Like, that seems like the, the only way they can think to write droids in these movies at this point. Um, so right off the bat, that wasn't a good feeling. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, all right. Like, can't, like, like, 3PO's fun, and he's like a loser. <laughs> like, he's just an idiot. Like, why can't we do him again? But, um... Alright, what is the thing Lando... Someone says something to her. L3 goes, uh... Like, they go, hey, L3, what do you want? <laughs> and someone goes... And she goes, equal rights. And the, the silence in the theater. <laughs> uh, that joke... Um, might sum up some of my feelings... <laughs> Because, uh, holy shit. Um, on, one, on some level, I'm kinda, I am kind of like that they kind of went there, uh, exploring the fact that the droids are basically slaves in the Star Wars universe. The idea. Um, except, except they treat her quest for equality like a total farce. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not great. And she's written... The thing that bugs me most is, one, she's written like... 
a 13-year-old who just went on Tumblr for the first time. <laughs> and is trying to adopt, like, progressive language without fully understanding it. And will mouth off about anything. Which is, and, so that, first of all, gives it a vibe that it was clearly written by two white dudes. But you know what? Even that, like, um, under a better hand, could have worked. Like, like she's learning all these, like, idiosyncrasies and, like, coming into her own identity. It could have worked... If you, it could have worked if you literally changed everything else about her character. <laughs> Especially oh, where her story goes. Okay, no. The uh, ending's not the worst part of the movie anymore. Neither uh, is the part where they find out Han Solo's last name. It's how they end L3's story. Oh, yeah. You know we why? skipped that. We skipped that. It's stupid, but you know what? It didn't really matter. It was kind of like, at that point, like when that happened, I was like, all right, whatever. Solo, fine. But... Looking back, I'm like, yeah, that is really dumb. <laughs> but, um, no, but L3, so once she's written, like, a fucking Tumblr blogger, um, which we were all Tumblr bloggers at one point. I'm not we're, we're all guilty. Tell any stories out of school. We're all guilty. I just happened to take it in different directions than maybe some people did, but I was still as bad as everyone. And, uh, but then she's also kind of written in creepily, like, fetish material, which was weird. <laughs> Because she, she, she kind of, I can't tell, like, Lando wants to bang her, I guess. And she's, like, like open to it, but, like, not with him. And it just, that raises so many questions. <laughs> like, do all droids have, like, sexual desires? Does R2 want to fuck things? Is that what he's doing every time he plugs into a computer? Because that doesn't seem consensual, so that makes R2-D2 a rapist. Like, I can't even, like, I can't even, I don't even know where to start, like, unpacking this. Because I'm not even smart enough to talk about, like, these issues well. But it's like, why? Our good friend Ethan, uh, shout out to Ethan, and congratulations to him and Abby getting married. Uh, he noted that that's why R2 sticks his dick in everything in every movie. I've had people say that to me since the movie. Yeah, Ethan said it, and another person said it. And it's like, well, now that, like, like that's like a joke that, like, felt like something the nostalgia critic would do. Being like, haha, it's like a penis. And now it's like, a, now it's, like, it feels like it's somewhat canon now. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed for everyone. <laughs> But, like, I just, I can't, like, why did they take it there? Like, she could, like, love Lando, but it doesn't have, like, why did they have to take it sexual? It was weird. Because, like, that's, like, a thing that usually doesn't get touched on in Star Wars, which I don't know where to go with that. Like, how much is too much for a fun for the whole family movie. But it's just, like, I, I don't, I just, I didn't get it. Like, what, why is she, how, what? <laughs> Like, like you're, it's like they wanted to tackle this issue, but then wanted to keep it, like, a comical thing. And so it's, like, this mix of, like, seriousness with fucking ridiculousness. And, like, just punchlines. And it's, the, like, the weird way, because I guess technically that makes Lando pansexual, I guess, if he's attracted to the droid. Who happens to have a feminine voice and is, like, a take-no-bullshit woman, I guess. Very clear that it it's a chasm script. I got a Return of yeah. the Jedi vibes, and you know how much I love that movie, but there's some issues with uh, pacing and structure, and how Leia had nothing to do in it. Well, at least L3 does something. 
which is she starts a mini droid rebellion. That that I like. Again, it, it that was fun, but it's but it's also like again you're taking this like well are we gonna finally seriously tackle the droid slavery thing, and then just kept it as like comedic. Like it wouldn't have been bad had she had not been preaching about droid rights like dozens of times up to that point. Do you want to bring up the kicker to that? Um, oh yeah, she gets shot in the back of the head. And then basically cries, asking what's happening as she dies in Lando's arms. Yes. Arm. And it's pulled apart by Lando, and then she is forced into the ship's computer. <laughs> that is so beyond fucked up. I was in shock in the theater. Like, like they could have so easily set that up. <laughs> where it's like her last words are like, plug me into the computer. <laughs> Yeah, like, let me do this for you or whatever, you know? Like, it's still her free will that she would determine to do that. But it turns her into... But they put her in the computer, which makes her now more of an object than she ever was. And at the end of the movie, she is sold into slavery to Han Solo. (laughs) Because Lando lost them bad. I I don't know what discussions happened around this character, but they failed. I feel like... I feel like Calvin... I feel like Calvin Candy from Django Unchained would have this very well. Remember when they make the droids fight? Kind of like the fighting. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And that was Clint Howard's cameo. Oh, no. Yeah, hey, good job. Somehow Tarantino's slavery spaghetti western was more progressive than this. Never mind, I hate this movie now. Yeah, it's not good. It's bad. No, no, I I liked everything I liked still, but this was bad this is yeah the droid thing and that was the moment where i turned (laughs) like i was kind of like sliding down like a a wave of disappointment but i turned in the l3 moments and uh and then the kessel run which was lame even though they do fight like an eldritch abomination (laughs) okay when that that popped up i was like ah shit now the kessel run is kind of working for me this is giant weird space squid monster thing. I wish that it had been something unrelated to the Kessel Run. Like, just a completely, like, regular thing. Yeah. I think the uh, this whole movie, as much as I liked it, I haven't really gone to bat for what I really liked about it, so I'll have to do that too. But, like, all these all What these could you possibly elements, like about this shit? All these things didn't have to be in a Han Solo movie. It could have just been, like, a crew of, like, some bounty hunters or smugglers or whatever wrapped up in, like, a big crime caper, Star Wars extravaganza, whatever. Oh, yeah, none of this comes back in any way into Han's arc. <laughs> Which it seems to get forgotten about at some point. He's kind of, like, along for the ride for most of this film. I like the stuff with him and Amelia Clark a lot. Oh, yeah, she was fine. <laughs> I've never been a giant fan of hers outside of Game of Thrones, but she was good. Kira. Um, Kira is her character's name. Sure. Where her character ends is fucking idiotic, but... That kind of worked for me, too. No, that was the moment where I was like, fuck this. That was the big moment where I was just like, so fucking (laughs) done. Like, had it not been the end of the movie, I would have left. Like... That was just the moment I was out of them. I was just like, who cares? This is dumb. And we know where that goes because of Rebels, so who fucking cares? I'm not going to go into that yet, but like, I like 
Kira. What does it add to anything that has ever happened? In it adds anything? to Kira's character. I, I I like this character a lot because she's she's no, like Han. She's just trying to survive. And what is her character that, that she and Han have it? Like Han can't see that she's already like so far deep that he can't understand who she's become anymore. They keep t- because of the choices had to make, and that's a really interesting idea to me. Yeah, it's good to just tack that on. Let's not make that the core. Let's not. Let's not make that the core of the film. It's like more just like this plot point. It should have been the core of the film. I think they were trying I think they were trying to make it the core of the film, but because it wasn't executed in any competent way, uh, it didn't work. Okay, so do you dislike the cameo at the end or just how the story wraps up? I dislike both, but I dislike the cameo more because it fucked that. <laughs> okay. You might as well have had well, Vader had walk out. Like, a month ago. Mm-hmm. Like, just because I knew it was going to be, like, any logical sense as to why this is in the middle of the movie, I kind of just want to see people's faces when that happened. Because it's so fucking nerdy and kind of dumb. But I kind of loved it, even though it goes against everything I stand for in regards to, like, mashing the different mediums together and... Being like, well, if you watch Clone Wars, you get it. And expecting the audience to know that beforehand. But I kind of loved it anyways. I just realized I'm taking my younger brother to see... Uh, I'm taking my younger brother to see Solo soon. Because um, that's just my life. I have to see every movie twice so he can go. Uh, and uh, I've never shown him the prequels. So what the fuck is that going to be? Yeah, I kind of loved it, but also like recognize that yeah, don't do that in your movies. Your spin-off standalone movies that are not standalone anymore. At least Vader kind of made more sense in Rogue One. Oh, and Maul turning on his lightsaber to threaten Kira is like... Isn't Through a hologram! Isn't that already, like, super dumb? It's just it like, the hey, get, here's my one character trait. I have a dual lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> He had more dialogue in this than he had in the prequels. Holy like, shit, you're right. That'd be like if some Bulba showed up and like pulled out like a pod for no reason. <laughs> it should have been some Bulba. He's like bitter and he's bitter and angry. He's bitter and angry because he lost that. Alright, have you seen Cobra Kai? <laughs> The, it do Cobra Kai, but it's Sobulba. He hasn't been able to recover since losing that pod race. And just descended into alcoholism. <laughs> now there's a movie. I hear Cobra Kai's actually really good. I liked uh, the first two episodes I saw. So, there's, there's your Star Wars spinoff for you, you fucks. Alright, wait a minute. We gotta talk about one thing. Paul Bettany. Um, who replaced, uh, what the... Michael Kenneth Williams. Yeah, Michael K. Williams. I'm from The Wire. Uh, supposedly because he played a CGI alien and they didn't have time to redo his scenes. So they had to replace him with, like, a human actor. So they got Paul Bettany. Um, I am calling bullshit. (laughs) Because, uh, Paul Bettany's a human character. And he's got scars on his face, right? Michael K. Williams has an actual scar on his face. I feel like he maybe didn't... They they just went with that. You know what I'm saying? 
Do you think maybe they just didn't, like, there was, like, a scheduling conflict, but they didn't want to admit they replaced a black actor with yeah. a white actor? I think there was even a report, like, Michael K. Williams was saying he was, he couldn't join the reshoots because he was, there was a scheduling conflict. And the optics of replacing a black actor with a white actor are awful. And so they're just like, oh, yeah, he was also an alien, huh? Yeah. Although, now that I think about it, I remember, like, back when everyone was still friends, they did some behind-the-scenes video <laughs> of Lord and Miller, and they showed some alien... <laughs> Sorry, you just got your joke. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> they showed some alien in that video, and I don't think that alien ever appeared in the film. So I wonder if maybe that was, like, the original design. Well, could you, fi- could you find character. that for me? Um, no, I will not. Please? It's from the Star Wars show. I've never asked you for anything in my life. You can look it up. I, I'm lazy. It's the Star Wars no, I'm, I'm show. Not. Okay, I'm not going to do just, it. All right, then. Too bad you're not fucking seeing it. <laughs> I can't watch it now. Like to, to me, like that would be like really embarrassing <laughs> to watch. Like, oh, yeah, we're all having fun here on the solo set. Nope. <laughs> you know what I knew this movie wasn't going to do well when they released that solo trailer that was a parody of Arrested Development? And, like, no one cared. I don't think I even saw that. Yeah, that says a lot. So I feel like that was, like, they expected it to go viral, and it didn't. So, um, all right, what else, what other bullshit did you like about this film? Also, I didn't want, I wouldn't have liked Michael K. Williams as Paul Bettany's character. Paul Bettany was too creepy, and I wouldn't have liked seeing Michael K. Williams get that creepy. I weirdly agree with that. That, that, That's all I got. I want to see him in the... Get a bigger role in one of these. Like, like Michael K. Williams is such a like an awesome actor that like, like he he gets so yeah. like uh, cast type yeah. as like uh, these like seedy gangsters and stuff. And it's like even Omar wasn't like that. Don't don't put him in bit roles. You know, put put him in bigger roles. Yeah. Uh, I I thought I thought Paul Bettany was kind of fun, but he was he was too gross. I mean, he was real gross as a character. Oh, uh, when he starts talking to Kira, and in a very specific way. When there's very clear uh, connotations, given their relationship and implications. I guess, but they fridged so many women in this movie, it was like, I wasn't on board with that. No, 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 I'm saying, like, I, I, I didn't like that either. Like, they, oh, okay. they were out of their wheelhouse. They, they were not smart enough to, like, kind of deal with that implication. Yeah, and that's something you want in the middle of your fucking swashbuckling movie. It's like when they brought up slavery in the Pirates movies. I always forget about that. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, like the one of two uh, uh, American genocides. Slavery. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something to bring up right now. Those Pirates of the Caribbean movies with the octopus face man. Yeah, that's a good time to bring up slavery. Hey, you know what? Everyone, the kids really like these uh, Pirates movies. Let's open the third one with a child being hung while he sings the Yo-Ho Pirates song from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. That's a good brand tie-in. I'm solo, I'm hot solo, I'm hot solo, I'm hot solo, solo, living my life and got stressed no more. Radford Young did nothing wrong. I saw a tweet saying he should sue the theaters for, uh, misrepresentation of his work i wouldn't disagree entirely with that i uh i can't say because i did not see it in a good theater so 
I'll have to wait until it's on Blu-ray, which I will not buy, so I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You know what? With all my issues with this movie, I can't say I didn't really have a great time watching it, and I'm shocked to say that. I'm just stunned, because we were very much in the same boat leading up to this movie. I uh, wish I had paid to see Deadpool 2, which I still haven't seen, and I kind of have no interest in Deadpool. So, I don't think it's great if I walk out of your movie feeling that way. Uh. <laughs> uh, I like Deadpool 2. I like this a lot more. So I guess I'm not seeing Deadpool. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? I can't. Like, fuck that. Um, Makes sense. Did you uh, like the first Deadpool? Sh- I don't know. I saw it. I don't remember it. <laughs> Uh, I'll probably feel the same way about the second one then. I remember she, uh, his girlfriend, like, pegs him. <laughs> that that stuck out. Um, Progressive. Yeah, that movie, uh, whatever, the jokes were bad. Y- yeah. It's All of this is more interesting to talk about than Solo. Which is already leaving my brain. I'm already, like, forgetting huge okay, chunks of so it. Okay, so you didn't like it. You wouldn't recommend it? I wouldn't, especially if you don't give a fuck about Star Wars. Uh, if you haven't seen The Last Jedi yet, Shannon, <laughs> what the fuck? Go see it. <laughs> um, it's really good. And I, I'm glad that The Last Jedi exists, and I hope that Soldo's failure doesn't affect how Episode Nine is put together. That's all I, I'm really nervous about, is that they feel like they gotta... That I hope they're not looking at Soldo's failure as a response to the fan divisions over Episode Eight. And I hope they're smarter than that, but Warner Brothers wasn't. So, I don't know. Um, and we're about to go through a huge, like, I, I believe, like, the head of Disney is, like, almost done with his term. And when shit like that happens, there tends to be a lot of shakeups in their different divisions that can affect the movies that come out. And, uh, I just hope that doesn't affect, because I don't want Episode Nine to end that trilogy on a bad note. Um, but I'm glad we'll have 16 months or whatever to not think about it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, major uh, step down from The Last Jedi, even though I liked it. Uh, easily easily the worst of the, new tr- of the new films. Oh yeah, hands down for me. But again, I found much more enjoyment in it than Matt did. And I also still don't think it really needs to exist. So I can't really say, like, if you were on the fence about it, like, I can't really say, well, you should check it out. If you weren't already interested i still wouldn't really recommend it and i think that's a little more telling than any positive or negative thing but you you people have to understand this idiot loves everything (laughs) so (laughs) his his word means nothing (laughs) i'm trying to think the last thing I, i i actually disliked i can think of one the last movie i disliked was solo a star wars story Matt, where can people find you? You can find me at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com, and I will be back on the Waffle Press as we finish our Hannibal retrospective, talking about the series uh, Hannibal, Friendship is Magic.
And you can follow me on Twitter at D-E-G-G-O-Waffles. Like and subscribe to the rest of the Waffle Press. Uh, if you didn't like this, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We've been professionally on professional. I'm solo, I'm Han Solo, I'm Han Solo, I'm Han Solo, solo, living my life and got stressed no more.